Chapter Twenty Two of Tangled Trails, a Western Detective Story, by William McLeod Rain. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Tangled Trails, a Western Detective Story, by William McLeod Rain. Chapter Twenty Two. Are you with me or against me? Miss Phyllis Harriman had breakfasted earlier than usual. Her luxuriant blue-black hair had been dressed, and she was debating the important question as to what gown she would wear. The business of her life was to make an effective carnal appeal, and she had a very sure sense of how to accomplish this. A maid entered with a card, at which Miss Harriman glanced indolently. A smile twitched at the corners of her mouth, but it was not wholly one of amusement. In the dark eyes a hint of adventure sparked. Her pulses beat with a little glow of triumph, for this young woman was of the born coquettes. She could no more resist alluring an attractive man and playing with him to his subsequent mental discomfort than she could refrain from bridge drives and dinner dances. This wild man from Wyoming, so strong of stride, so quietly competent, whose sardonic glance had taken her in so directly and so keenly, was a foeman worthy of her weapons. "'Good gracious!' she murmured. "'Does he usually call in the middle of the night, I wonder? And does he really expect me to see him now?' The maid waited. She had long ago discovered that Miss Phyllis did not always regulate her actions by her words. "'Take him into the red room and tell him I'll be down in a minute,' Miss Harriman decided. After which there was swift action in the lady's boudoir. The red room was scarcely more than a cozy alcove set off the main reception room, but it had a note of warmth, of friendly and seductive intimacy. Its walls whispered of tete-a-tete. The cushions hinted at interesting secrets they were forever debarred from telling. In short, when Miss Harriman was present it seemed, no less than the clothes she wore, an expression of her personality. After a very few minutes Miss Phyllis sauntered into the room and gave her hand to the man who rose at her entrance. She was simply but expensively gowned. Her smile was warm for Kirby. It told him, with a touch of shy reluctance, that he was the one man in the world she would rather meet just now. He did not know that it would have carried the same message to any one of half a dozen men. "'I'm so glad you came to see me,' she said, just as though she were in the habit of receiving young men at eleven in the morning. "'Of course I want to know you better. James thinks so much of you.' "'And Jack,' added Lane, smilingly. "'Oh, yes, Jack, too,' she said, and laughed outright when their eyes met. "'I'm sure Jack's very fond of me. He can't help showing it occasionally.' "'Jack's impulsive,' she explained. "'But he's amenable to influence.' "'Of the right sort. I'm sure he would be.' He found himself the object of a piquant, amused scrutiny under her long lashes. 
it came to him that this paris-gowned long-limbed young sylph was more than willing to let him become intrigued by her charms but kirby lane had not called so early in the day to fall in love i came to see you miss harriman about the case he said my good name is involved i must clear it i want you to help me he saw a pulse of excitement flutter in her throat it seemed to him that her eyes grew darker as though some shadow of dread had fallen over them the provocative smile vanished how can i help you she asked if you would answer a few questions what questions all the softness had gone from her voice it had become tense and sharp personal ones about you and my uncle you were engaged to him were you not yes there wasn't any quarrel between you recently was there a flash of apprehension filled her eyes then resolutely she banished fear and called to her aid auteur there was not though i quite fail to see how this can concern you mr lane i don't want to distress you he said gently just now that question must seem to you a brutal one believe me i don't want to hurt you her eyes softened grew wistful and appealing i'm sure you don't you couldn't it's all so so dreadful to think about there was a little catch in her throat as the voice broke let's talk of something more cheerful i want to forget it all i'm sure you do we all want to do that the surest way to get it out of our minds is to solve the mystery and find out who is guilty that's why i want you to tell me a few things to clear up my mind but i don't know anything about it nothing at all why should you come to me when did you last see my uncle alive what a dreadful question it was let me think in the afternoon the day before and you parted from him on the best of terms of course he leaned toward her ever so little his eyes level with hers and steadily fastened upon her that's the last time you saw him until you went to his rooms at the paradox the night he was killed she had lifted her hand to pat into place an escaping tendril of hair the hand remained lifted the dark eyes froze with horror they stared at him as though held by some dreadful fascination from her cheeks the color ebbed kirby thought she was going to faint but she did not a low moan of despair escaped from the ashen lips the lifted arm fell heavily to her lap then kirby discovered that the two in the red room had become three jack cunningham was standing in the doorway his glance flashed to lane accusingly what's up what are you doing here he demanded abruptly the wyoming man rose i've been asking miss harriman a question a question what business have you to ask her questions demanded jack hotly 
his cousin tried a shot in the dark i was asking her he said his voice low and even about that visit you and she paid to uncle james's rooms the night he was killed kirby knew instantly he had scored a hit the insolence the jaunty confidence were stricken from him as by a buffet in the face for a moment body and mind alike were lax and stunned then courage flowed back into his veins he came forward blustering what do you mean what visit it's a damned lie is it then why is the question such a knockout to you and miss harriman she almost fainted and it certainly crumpled you up till you got a second breath jack flushed angrily of course it shocked her for you to make such a charge against her it would frighten any woman by god it's an outrage you come here and try to browbeat miss harriman when she's alone you ask her impudent questions as good as tell her her she she kirby's eyes were like a glittering rapier probing for the weakness of his opponent's defense i say that she and you were in the rooms of uncle james at nine fifty the evening he was killed i say that you concealed the fact at the inquest why he shot his question at the other man with the velocity of a bullet cunningham's lip twitched his eye wavered how much did his cousin know how much was he merely guessing who told you we were there how do you know it i don't propose to answer every wild accusation nor to let miss harriman be insulted by you who are you anyhow a man accused of killing my uncle the man who found his valet dead and is suspected of that crime too a fellow who would be lying behind the bars now if my brother hadn't put up the money to save the family from disgrace if we tell all we know the police will grab you again double quick yet you have the nerve to come here and make insinuations against the lady who is mourning my uncle's death i've a good mind to phone for the police right now do suggested kirby smiling then we'll both tell what we know and perhaps things will clear up a bit it was a bluff pure and simple he couldn't tell what he knew any more than his cousin could the part played by rose and esther mclean in the story barred him from the luxury of truth-telling moreover he had no real evidence to back his suspicions but jack did not know how strong the restraining influence was i didn't say i was going to phone i said i'd a jolly good mind to cunningham replied sulkily i'd advise you not to start anything you can't finish jack i'll give you one more piece of advice too come clean with what you know i'm going to find out anyhow make up your mind to that i'm going through with this job till it's done you'll pull off your sherlock holmes stuff in jail then for i'm going to ask james to get off your bond jack retorted vindictively as you please about that lane said quietly 
He'll choose between you or me. I'll be damned if I'll stand for his keeping a man out of jail to try and fasten on me a murder I didn't do. I haven't said that you did it. What I say is that you and Miss Harriman know something and are concealing it. What is it? I'm not a fool. I don't think you killed Uncle any more than I did. But you and Miss Harriman have a secret. Why don't you go to James and make a clean breast of it? He'll tell you what to do. The devil he will. I tell you, we haven't any secret. We weren't in Uncle's room that night. Can you prove an alibi for the whole evening, both of you? The range rider asked curtly. None of your business. We're not in the prisoner's dock. It's you that is likely to be there, Jack tossed out petulantly. Phyllis Harriman had flung herself down to sob with her head in the pillows. But Kirby noticed that one small pink ear was in the open to take in the swift sentences passing between the men. "'I'm intending to make it my business,' Lane said, his voice ominously quiet. "'You're laying up trouble for yourself,' Jack warned blackly. If you want me for an enemy, you're going at this the right way. I'm not looking for enemies. What I want is the truth. You're concealing it. We'll see if you can make it stick. We're not concealing a thing. Last call for you to show down your cards, Jack. Are you with me or against me? asked Kirby. "'Against you, you meddling fool!' Cunningham burst out in a gust of fury. "'Don't you meddle with my affairs unless you want trouble right off the bat. I'm not going to have a Paul Pry nosing around and hinting slanders about me and Miss Harriman. What do you think I am? I'll protect my good name and this lady's if I have to do it with a gun. Don't forget that, Mr. Lane.' Kirby's steady gaze appraised him coolly. "'You're excited and talking foolishness. I'm not attacking anybody's good name. I'm looking for the man who killed Uncle James. I'm expecting to find him. If anybody stands in the way, I'm liable to run against him.' The man from Twin Buttes bowed toward the black hair and pink ear of his hostess. He turned on his heel and walked from the room. End of chapter 22